Thank you, James. Thank you guys for joining us online. Those of you who bore the weather and were able to be here this morning, thank you guys as well. Uh, We are in the middle of a series we've entitled Abide. In fact, we're joining with churches all over the world uh, in this series, which is kind of cool that we kind of get to walk through this together. And last week we dealt with John chapter 1, and we're we're not marching through John um, verse by verse, but we will go through our entire, I think, six-week series in the Gospel of John. So if you want to join us um, in your quiet times by just reading through the Gospel of John, I think it'll add enrichment to our time together. Uh, But last week we started in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw not so much something for us to do, but for something to us to see or believe about who God is, that God wants to come near us. The Word, who is God in the flesh, Jesus, wants to be near us, wants to be known by us, and wants to be received by us, which was pretty cool. It kind of sets the stage for who we're going to abide in. And this is interesting for us as a church and for you as an individual. We believe the words of Jesus that say this, if you'll abide in Christ, you'll bear much fruit. If you'll abide in Christ, you'll have a fruitful life and life that'll matter. And so we're hanging our hat as a church for that passion and, and as a pastoral staff and as a staff of this church, our passion is to help you abide in Christ, abide in Jesus, because then you will bear much fruit. And so that's our prayer this morning. Now, not only does Jesus, you know, that verse it's in, that we read last week that said, um, he put on flesh and dwelt among us, he tabernacled or he pitched his tent among us. We actually spent some time in my small group on Wednesday mornings discussing that. What would it be like if Jesus pitched his tent in your backyard? How would it change your life? It was interesting to hear all the different perspectives of how people would react to God who lived in their backyard. But, it, but suffice it to say this, it would change us. It would change how we live. It would change our perspective. And so this morning, I want to look at not just that Jesus comes near and is known, but what does he bring? When I was a young child, <clears throat> I grew up in a town about, about an hour away from here, Rocky Mount. And we had this neighborhood, they had two girls about the age of me and my brothers, and we would play together from time to time. But they had a grandfather that would come over, and this grandfather was mysterious. He was really cool. He would interact with us. He spoke a different language. He told me he would speak in that language, which is always like amazing to me. He told me it was pig Latin. And as a five-year-old, and that sounded like the coolest thing ever, like he would speak it. And I couldn't understand what he was saying, but I kind of understood the words, but couldn't. Just this mysterious, he would bring his toys, he would bring us maybe some candy from time to time. But my most favorite thing he would do is he had this red handkerchief in his pocket. And he'd pull it out and he'd make it disappear right in front of my eyes. And I thought that was, as a five-year-old, just blew my mind. I knew it was a trick and I knew it wasn't really magic or was it? You know, it was always that thing. And he, when he came around, there was this mystery. There was this uh, excitement that, that jumped up in my heart. And I think we see that when we think about Jesus is that when he comes, he doesn't just come, but he brings stuff with him. There's mystery, there's allure, there's excitement. So this morning, I want to look at 
John chapter 5. John chapter 5. We're going to read 19 verse 29. So let's jump into the, the scriptures this morning. So Jesus said to them, Truly, 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 I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. And just to kind of set this up, Jesus has just walked through uh, by the pool of Bethesda and found a lame man, 38 years lame, asks him, do you want to be made well? The man gives some excuses and Jesus raises him up. He heals him. And then he finds him later and says, go and stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. But the problem was when he left, he took his mat because Jesus told him to. And it was on the Sabbath. And so the religious people missed the life of God, the miracle of God, because they were focused on, man, he broke the rules. And So Jesus is teaching out of this context. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Greater works than these he will show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that you may honor the Son just as you honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. This is a reference to Daniel speaking of the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in their tombs will hear his voice and will come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes and our hearts to the life you bring. In Jesus' name, amen. The Word brings life. The Word brings life. That's my point this morning. The Word brings life. Now, we learned last week that the Word is Jesus. The Word is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and the Word became flesh and lived among us. So the Word is Jesus, but the Word is also the Scripture. The Word is also the Scripture. How do we know who Jesus is? And we have a real tendency in our day to to separate these things. We want to say the Word is Scripture, and we miss the fact that the Scripture points to Christ. In fact, Beatty's going to hit on this next week in John chapter 6, because Jesus would say, you search the Scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, but it's these that point to me. 
So the scripture is the word that points and educates us about Jesus. But we have a tendency in our culture, in our, in, even in church culture, to separate these two. We have a Jesus separated from scripture. We love Jesus. But we're not sure about the Bible and the New Testament. And so we begin to craft Jesus in our own image. Jesus looks like what we think he should look like. This is dangerous for us. If we have the scripture, but it doesn't help us see Jesus, then we don't have life. Because the word brings life. But if you don't have the Jesus of scripture, then we don't have life because we have a Jesus crafted in our own image. A be, to, a be true to yourself, Jesus. Not the Jesus of Nazareth, the Jesus friend of sinners, the Jesus temple clearing Jesus, the rebuking Jesus, the patient, compassionate Jesus. This is the Jesus of Scripture. And we don't get part of him, we get all of him. And how do we know what he's like unless we get into the word, the scripture, to see who Jesus is? We cannot separate these two. And when we do, we lose both. The word brings life. That's why Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes will have eternal life. You can't have faith in Jesus without hearing his word. They're inextricably bound together. Think of a spouse or a significant other or a father-son or mother-daughter relationship that if they were with you but never communicated with you, you'd say, they're not here. Or if you say, hey, I only get communication from them, but they're never here. You'd say, there's something missing. See, when we have a relationship with God through Jesus, the word, we get the communication of God and the presence of God. They have to come together. The word brings life. Am I talking about the scripture? Yes, but I'm not talking about the scripture devoid of Jesus and the presence of God. The Word brings life. Now, what kind of life does the Word bring? Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my Word and believes Him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. The Word brings life eternal. The Word brings life eternal. I used to do... Um, campus ministry. I did campus ministry here at East Carolina for 16 plus years. Loved the campus at, at heart. I'm still a college minister. And one of the things I would realize early on and begin to share the gospel and tell people about Jesus is nothing seemed more irrelevant and out of touch than talking about the life to come. A conversation talking about heaven or hell seemed completely irrelevant. One, because when you're 20, you think you'll never die, Right? Now that I'm 40, I'm thinking about that more often, not in a morbid sense, but that reality's coming, right? I remember, still remember Pastor Mike, um, who founded this church. He said he did a sermon about halftime when he turned 40 a long time ago, and I was thinking about that. I was like, man, now I'm up here talking about halftime. Half my life's over. 
I've got half my life to go. But my life will end. There will be a moment when life ends for us. At least in this life. And I know that's hard for us to grasp. There's there's a condition in your body. It's called a, a vitamin deficiency where you don't get enough nutrients, maybe you don't get enough fresh food or fruits or vegetables, and your body isn't intaking enough vitamins, that there will be things like your hair will become brittle and your fingernails, you'll have ulcers and cracks on on your mouth, you have bleeding gums, your hair may fall out, you have scaly patches of skin, you have all these kind of physical symptoms that are, are the reality of an internal deficiency. And I believe for many of the followers of Christ, especially in the West, who don't deal with mortality and persecution in an upfront way, we've lost the mineral, we've lost the the vitamin, the, the essence of the eternal life is that it's eternal. It lasts forever. You will pass from this life into the life to come and walk forever. Now think on that. That changes the physical reality of how we live. There are real, physical, life-applicable realities when we understand that this life is not the only life. Now, we know this to be true. And now I know there's, there's sections of our, our, our world and media and, and culture that are, are pushing that, that that's not true, that this life is it. But that reality, and we know it's true. I mean, if you go and look at the movies and the arts that we love, there is a pang in us that longs to cheat death. I mean, I was just thinking through some movies that I've seen or, or heard about that talk about, that, that have some kind of resurrection theme in it. There's Beauty and the Beast. There's Tangled. There's Iron Man and Superman and Infinity War and Lord of the Rings and Star Trek and The Matrix and Wonder Woman 1984. They all have this theme that we want to cheat death. Why? Because it's in our hearts to live forever. C.S. Lewis even said that this is a reality. The reality that you hunger for that is evidence that it's real because every other hunger you have you can satisfy in this life. Therefore, if there's a hunger that cannot be satisfied in this life, there must be a life to come. Randy Alcorn in his book, Heaven, says this, nothing is more often misdiagnosed than our homesickness for heaven. We think that what we want is sex, Drugs, alcohol, a new job, a raise, a doctorate, a spouse, a a large screen television, a new car, a cabin in the woods, and a condo in Hawaii. What we really want is the person we were made for, Jesus. The place we were made for in heaven. Nothing less can satisfy us. We long for heaven and in Christ you have life eternal. In Christ, you have life eternal. Paul was so 
fixated on this in 1 Corinthians 15, a whole chapter on the resurrection because a lie had kind of snuck in to the church that the resurrection had already happened or it wasn't that big of a deal. There was no resurrection. And so they were lying that this life is it. And this is what he said. He said, 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, if this is it, we are of all people most to be pitied. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If our eyesight stops at the horizon of this life, we're missing the life that Jesus has for us. That's why the resurrection was so powerful and so life-changing for these disciples because they realized that there will be a resurrection of the dead. This was a funny moment. Our, our life group that meets on Wednesday morning, I was telling you about earlier, at the beginning of the, the pandemic, and I know this is a little tongue-in-cheek, so, so take this in good in humor, but we, we, I think we were at a Great Harvest and we were doing like push-ups for awareness of the military and mental health because um, the owner there had a real heart for the, the military mental health and suicide. And so we were going there and we were doing push-ups and uh, this older gentleman was there and he was probably, I don't know, 70, 80 years old. And there's something about uh, the more seasoned believers among us who, who add a flavor to the stew that we, we need desperately bad. And, and they were talking about the pandemic. And just in passing, he walks by us. And he doesn't say it for everybody to hear it, but loud enough for a, n- a number of us. And he says this, he goes, I've never seen Christians more afraid to die in all my life. And then just looking at this man like, he's on the brink, brother. He's looking over. And he's like, look, why are we so afraid? I know that's more complex than that, but you get the spirit behind it, don't you? That's why Hebrews 2.15 says, Only in this way, speaking of Jesus and the resurrection of the dead, could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Are we getting this vitamin in our midst? We've taken this multivitamin this morning where we're getting a revelation that we will live forever and this life is only a holding pattern. It is a blip in, in eternity. Let that nourish us. But do you also see that that eternal life perspective, that eternal life reality in Jesus is that it has a very much present reality. Now we saw it hinting at this verse. Now we no longer fear death. Man, that changes how I live now. That changes how I see the world. And it changes the life I have now. Look here at verse 24 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has, present tense, eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed, past tense, from death to life. That when we put faith in Christ, we see the beauty of the word become flesh, dying for our sins and raising from the dead. We pass out of death and into the eternal life right now. There is, in Christ, the word brings life abundant 
That's number two. The word brings life abundant. Verse 25, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Will live. When we become in Christ, we taste a foretaste. Paul, I think it's in uh, 1 Corinthians 2, I think it is, says that, that we will get a down payment of the life to come. We will get a little bit by the Holy Spirit of what it's like to walk with God face to face. We will receive life abundant. Randy Alcorn again in his book Heaven says this, Christ-centered righteous living today is directly affected by knowing where we're going and what rewards we'll receive there for serving Christ. The reality that that is real affects the life of God in me today and how I'm living. Look here at Moses in Hebrews 11. He says this, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God then enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And how many of you know that Moses had at his fingertips the fleeting pleasures of sin? He considered reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. What did, what did a, a view of the eternal life and life in Christ do for Moses? It made him strong internally and have self-control to say no to the new temptations of the world. And at the same time, helped him in his suffering, knowing that this is only a short time. This is only a short time. We've been talking about this over our fast and we meditated on the Word. The Word is our sword. The Word is bread. The Word is a mirror. The Word is a hammer. The Word is a seed. The Word is a light. In the Word, we find life. We see direction. We get sustenance. We see who we are. We see who God is. We break the chains that bind us. We plant seeds that grow to fruitful living. The Word brings life abundant. What about us this morning? What about you? Do you stand before the word? Do you search the scriptures not just to see what to do, but to see the beauty of Christ? There is a life in Jesus that cannot be found anywhere else. It transcends. Jesus is speaking here not just quality, but quantity. This life will not have the final word. And in Christ, there's a, a, a fulfillment. There is a reality that we can not fear death. We can, we can walk through trials. In fact, when you get in scenarios where suffering and trials and death are at your door, the, the hope of eternal life becomes really alive. 
That brings us to our final point. The Word brings life transformed. The Word brings life transformed. Verse 28, do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in their tombs will hear His voice. And come out. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life. And those who have done evil to the resurrection of death. Hold on, Jesus. You just said, if we believed in you, verse 24, whoever hears my words and believes in him who has sent me has eternal life. And now you're saying that when we raise from the dead, those who have done good into eternal life and those who have done evil to eternal judgment? Is that what you're saying, God? You can, are you flipping this on us? And Jesus is saying, no, I'm saying the same things. Faith in Christ must produce a life transformed by the gospel. You cannot have Christ and faith in Christ and not be changed by that love and by that reality that you're, in a, you're a sinner doomed for hell and he, he stepped in and rescued you. That changes you. He actually two chapters earlier. Look at this, John chapter 3, verse 36. He said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. There it is. If you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life present. You have life eternal. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. If you see Christ, you throw off your sin and you live a different way. You cannot have faith in Christ and the life of sin. They're incompatible. Faith in a gospel that does not change you is no gospel at all. So Jesus is saying, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. If your faith doesn't lead to obedience, it's not real faith. The great reformers, Luther and Calvin, both had this sentiment. And this is what they said. We are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. James echoed the same thing in James chapter 2. Faith without works is dead. It's not alive. If faith in Christ doesn't change what we live for, doesn't change what we value, then we are hurting. And we're lying to ourselves that we are in the faith. I'm not saying faith in Christ makes you perfect. I'm not saying that faith in Christ, you won't sin. Not at all. But you won't cling to sin. You won't identify yourself with sin. You will be doing everything you can to walk out of sin and into his righteousness. It's, it's the fruit of a life transformed. And if there's no fruit, then we need to look at the root. Are you rooted in Christ or someone else or something else? Faith in Jesus produces a change in our lives. Each one of us, according to this scripture, will face Jesus and give an account for our lives. 
And if we believed in Christ and the Father who sent him, we will have life. And if we have rejected him, we will have a trajectory away from God forever in torment. That place we call hell. Blake, why are you talking about hell? Because Jesus talked about it. Not the Jesus that you maybe have created in your mind, but the Jesus of this Bible. And we must wrestle with it. Paul echoes the same sentiment, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the free gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one can boast. No one receives the grace of God because of they've done good works. It is a free gift. And yet, for we are his workmanship, we are his craftsmanship, we are the art that he manufactures with his own hands, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Jesus saved you and me to do good works. He doesn't save us because we have good works. Do you see the difference? If our lives are not transformed by faith in Jesus and are being transformed, that's a reality. You are being transformed, which means there's parts of you that are not right as a believer. Again, we're not talking about perfection. Christ comes into your life. He changes you and he is continuing to change you to be more like himself. This is the reality of the life Jesus has for us. Jesus has come. The word brings life. It brings it eternally so that you can have security today, right now, past his. You will, you will step out of death and into life in Christ. In a moment, right now, today, this morning, if you are not sure you're right with God, you can be 100% sure you're right with God. 100%. Not based on your works, but based on Christ. And what he's done for you. But you can be certain. You can pass from death to life. There is an eternity in heaven waiting for you and the people of God who put faith in the God-man Jesus. The word become flesh. The word brings eternal life. The word also brings abundant life. There are, there's an abundance in us. And I think it's not separated from eternal life and our view of it, but there's an abundance in this life, a joy, peace, patience, kindness. I wonder, part of the symptoms that we are experiencing as a society, fear, anxiety, fear of death, all these things, me included, are symptoms of a lack of seeing the eternal life of God. If we don't see the life of God eternal, that this is a holding period for eternal, eternal life. It's more than that, but you get it. Then the abundant life that God has for us will be not quite abundant. This was um, a little bit tongue-in-cheek here this morning, but there was a my sister-in-law turned me on to this, but there was a picture going around the internet this week. I don't know if we have that, of the Golden Girls and uh, Sex and the City's new movie. Um, so, and 
I can't remember the title. Just like that, I think. These women are the, were, the, on average, I think, the same age. The Golden Girls were about early 50s when they first started. And this movie, early 50s. These women are in their early 50s, mid-50s. They might even be older, actually. Now, look, look at that. Right? That says a lot, a lot. But what it definitely says is that we value youth. Right? We are trying our best to push back death. I think we were talking this week about cryogenical chambers and, and trying to freeze our bodies and download our consciousness. And, and I think there's these, the super rich in California, they're trying to download their consciousness in machines so that they can live forever. There's the longing in our heart to live forever. It's in the cult, man. We're crying out for it. Y'all can take that down. I just thought that was interesting. Look, you want to look good? Praise God, look good. Till you're 85, I don't care. But my question is, this is, you will die. I mean, that's just reality. Finally, the word brings life, eternal, abundant, and transformed, that faith in Christ changes us. It has to. To see his love, to see his suffering, to see his humility, to step in our mess and then to know that when we step out of this life, we get to walk with him. It transforms us. What have I said this morning? The word brings life, eternal, abundant, and transformed. E-A-T. Like, what do you want me to do? I want you to eat this word. E-A-T. I want you to eat the word. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that the word brings life. It transforms how we see you how we see the life we're in. Lord, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to help us see the life we're in from your eternal perspective. Lord, as we, our minds are transformed by the renewing of the word, the renewing of our minds, where our lives are transformed, I pray that anxiety and stress and fear, the things that are crippling us, Lord, Lord, we'll see their place in Christ. That you'll loosen the, shame, the chains that shackle us, Lord. Lord, I pray if anybody's watching this morning who is not 100% right with God, that if you died today and you stood before Him, that you're not sure if you'd spend eternity with Him. You can be sure. You can be sure right now if you're willing to submit yourself to Jesus, our loving Lord, and put faith in Christ alone and what he's done for you. You will be, the Bible says, adopted into his family. Not contingent on your obedience, but contingent on the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
that's you this morning, wherever you are, I want you to pray this prayer. Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me for my sin and my selfishness, for thinking I know what's best for my life. And I submit my heart and my life and my mind to you, my loving Lord, the living word. I renew a commitment to your scriptures that I might know you. Not what I want you to be like, but what you're really like. Father, give me the Holy Spirit this morning so that I might walk with you in in experiential reality. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for those who are in the room. Glad you're here. Just my prayer, and this is a prayer I'm praying over my own soul, my own mind, my own life. God, help me see my life as you see it. Help me see the eternity the eternal life I have right now in Christ. And Lord, help that impact my life in ways that matter. Can we pray that together this week? Let's pray that. Lord, give me your eternal perspective. Thank you so much for being with us as we close. Just a couple reminders, we will be here next week. By the grace of God, please, Lord, help us all to be here next week push all the weather away. Uh, We also have our our life group fair is here. Um, If you aren't involved in a life group, check out um, our app for for our life group information and join one. It will change your life if you plug in. Let those relationships and the gospel wash over your mind and heart. And then we're going to have a leaders meeting. If you're a leader at GCF, we have a leaders meeting following the service with lunch provided here in the sanctuary, so you're not going to want to miss that. Child care is provided. We'll see you next week. You guys have an amazing week. Stay warm.